What's up, Playlisters? Brian from Playlist Wars here. Just want to let you know that while this show is on hiatus, both Gomez and I have separate shows that are part of the Playlist Wars extended universe, if you will. Gomez has the Sleevy G Show, which you can find at SleevyGPodcasts.com. And I have a new show entitled My Weekly Mixtape, which you can find over at MyWeeklyMixtape.com. Both shows are also available on all podcast platforms just by searching Sleevy G Show or My Weekly Mixtape. And Playlist Wars will be back soon. Thank you guys so much for your continued support of the show. This is Playlist Wars. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the new podcast, episode one of Playlist Wars. I'm your co-host, Gomez. Right next to me is my other co-host, Mr. Brian Colburn. And our special guest tonight is Drummer Jay. Yes, he plays like Garth Algar from Wayne's World. Guys, welcome to the show tonight. What's up? What's up? Hello. <laughs> nice entrance there, Jay. Hey, <laughs> keeping it simple, man. I like to play. <laughs> I don't know. I appreciate you coming in. And, uh, you know, got to thank our non-sponsor people, Amazon Prime, for letting me listen to the music. And YouTube, especially them. <laughs> Brian, uh, you've done this plenty of times with podcasting, so why don't you run the rules a little bit with us so we know what we're getting ourselves into? Hell yeah, man. I'm looking forward to doing this. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's a fairly simple concept here. Basically, each episode, we're going to pick a band or a musical topic, and we're going to create our own greatest hits playlist, starting with track one all the way through track 10. So it'll be like a CD, a mix CD or a mixtape, if we want to go really old school here, of our favorite songs from that band. And then at the end of the episode, our wonderful listeners can decide which one of us made the best playlist. So there you go. There you have it. That's the format of this show in a nutshell. And we're going to start things off with one of the greatest metal bands of all time. Of course, we're going to start off with the almighty Metallica tonight for episode one. And I guess I'm going to lead off first. Track one on Gomez's greatest list. Um, I actually would start with uh, Seek and Destroy from Kill Em All. Interesting. Yeah, you never thought you'd hear that from me. Thought the song was awesome. Uh, just a great intro. I probably would have used this during football, though. I wish I heard this much in my younger years. It had a lot of sports inspirations with the NHL, uh, with WCW, uh, WWF, or now WWE, sorry. It just was a huge sports inspiration. I know the New Jersey Devils use it, Jay, because you love the Devils. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's go Rangers on my part. You know, it, it just was a great tune. And then to hear from a sports point of view, uh, my point of view of just like picking a fight and just going with it would be a good movie song i guess actually funny uh, gomez it's funny that you mentioned that seek and destroy is is right smack in the middle of my list right here too great groove to it and i mean i have all the metallic albums that are out there i mean kill them all is probably my favorite i, I have a couple of tracks from here you know on my list on there mm -hmm. but that was i honestly think that may have been the first track that i heard off of that album i remember i was like maybe God, i don't know about 17 18 and i was uh was working at a restaurant and one of the guys gave me the album the disc at the time he says listen to this because you know we were talking about metallica and I was kind of slowly getting into them by that point. You know, I knew about Injustice for All and, uh, you know, Ride the Lightning. And obviously everybody knew the Black Album because it, it was a couple of years old by that point. And so I started listening to the older stuff and getting more into some of like the thrash old school metal. And um, that's what, you know, the first track that, that I, I don't even remember why I selected it because I don't think it was the first track on that album. But, um, you know, I picked it at random and went off and, uh, you know, they kind of had me from that point on. But uh, definitely the killer song. You said a disc. You sure it wasn't a tape back in the day when we're at our age? Well, yeah, because I'll tell you why. Because I was I, I was kind of slow to get in the metal. Were you really? Yeah, I was always kind of like more of a hard rock fan. And then, uh, you know, like we're talking, you know, we talk about metal. I guess we're defining it as like the, the old school thrash, you know, the Metallica okay. Slayer, you know, that type of stuff. And when I was in my late teens, I started listening to some of that stuff. And there was, I remember the guy's name was Doug. I was working with him. And yeah, he gave me the, the CD. He had had it for a long time, and he said, hey, give this thing a lesson. Wow. So I CD. took me a long time to get it back to him, but thanks, Doug. Now, did Doug ever say when he left the room, I'm out of here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was your track five, Jay? That was my track five. All right. All right. I, I did not put Seek and Destroy on mine, and I'll, I have to say why, because they 
closed so many shows with it and I've seen Metallica live so many times. I've just heard it too much. And my playlist as a whole kind of veers away from the songs that I've heard so many times. They almost aren't my favorite anymore. If that makes any sense, I've heard them so many times that they almost become bathroom break songs. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you were to choose one and I'm not, and I'm, and I don't hate the song at all. I love the tune, but if I was given a choice of, Oh, you know, pick your Metallica set list when they play live, I might skip Seek and Destroy because I've seen them play it at least eight or nine times already. Well, that apparently it makes you go to the bathroom too, from what I understand. So I yeah. get that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to say, you must be lucky to go to eight or ten Metallica concerts. I'd never been to one. Oh man, we got to remedy that next time they come around. Maybe one day when they release another album, since they haven't released one since God knows when. Hardwired was what, 2016? So in Metallica world, by 2024, we should get another album out of them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's been four years or, or five years now. Which I, I do want to say, Gomez, before we, we move on, you started, but we have a guest and the polite thing to do, just throwing this out there, would have been maybe to let him go first. Well, I'm Be- new to this. <laughs> so I'm going to be kind and say, hey, Jay, why don't you go with your time? Your first track opening song, okay. Uh, Whiplash, Ooh. yeah. Like, I you know, obviously, I'm a, I'm a drummer, so a lot of the, the songs that I'm going to get out of this are basically you know, drum driven. Uh, Lars catches a lot of flack out there nowadays, and I think it's for the most part very unwarranted. You know, the guy's done, uh, he's had an incredible career, you know, and there's a couple of gods out there to me, he's one of them. Um, you know, and you go back to what he was doing in the eighties, you know, nineties and look, even on, you know, as recently as the last album that they put out, um, you know, he just does some amazing stuff in there, but I think that is just a, uh, you know, you get a couple of drum breaks in there that just catches your ear. And, uh, that's, I think it'd be a killer opening track. There's something about Lars drumming. Obviously the St. Anger stuff is, I think the reason why he catches as much flack as he does, uh, because of the drum sound. And that's, that's something that's always enthralled me about this band since the beginning is they literally have both my favorite and my least favorite drum sounds across mm-hmm. a career, which is really interesting. Cause I think when you talk about good drum sound, I immediately go to the black album. Oh yeah. Good album. The drums, they I've never heard a more massive sounding drum kit than what is put out on the black album. And then you fast forward to St. Anger and I honestly think I can get a better sound out of my desk if I was just punching it as hard as I could. And it might it might be more in tune. I don't know. But that's something that I think that people are very polarized by Lars. And then obviously sometimes Lars opens his mouth, which. Hey, Lars is good at Lars, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah, which is, hey, whatever. It works. He, he Look, he's he's a businessman. They all are, you know, but he's uh, he was a spokesman for a long time there. And I think uh, that was just him playing the role that, that you know, he had to, to play. I mean, look at where streaming is now. And, you know, he took on the role of being the bad guy, you know, once Napster came around. And, you know, I think people look back on it now and say, oh, it kind of makes sense. Oh, the Napster days. Napster of puppets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually going to break the trend here because everyone's starting with Kill em All tracks. I almost feel bad. But my opening track is... The first song on Injustice for All, Blackened. Mm. To me, Metallica, ahem, mastered the opening <laughs> song to an album. You could conceivably make a playlist with just their track ones on every album. And you could probably create a convincing Metallica playlist just based on track ones and blackened out of all of the opening tracks, the reversed guitar that kind of slides you into this assault. Let's not talk about the bass. We get it. We know the justice for Jason, (laughs) but and justice for all is in my opinion, the band's masterpiece and blackened kicks off that album in a way that just grabs you by the throat. And it holds you for the entire album. Like, the, it just doesn't let loose. I can see that. I, I give you that much, yes. I think it's a good pick. All right. Well, I guess we go to track two. All right. Jay, can you please go first this time? Oh, how kind of you, Gomez. Thank you. 
You're only doing that because Brian's making you. <laughs> That's the only reason. Uh, maybe the third one, I might start with Brian next. Yeah. Ooh, are you, are you going to go round robin on me and confuse the shit out of me this whole time? <laughs> <laughs> might as well. You know what I mean? This is episode one. We could do whatever we want. Good point. <laughs> Good point. All right. Number two for me, if I was to put a mixed tape together, it would be Master Puppets. All right. A couple of reasons. That's probably my favorite Metallica song of all time. You know, still to this day, how many years later, over 30 years later, if it comes on, I'm still cranking my, you know, the stereo. Um, I also have a soft spot for this song because uh, old school kind of ruined it for me. You guys have seen that movie. Oh, yes. yes. When they go kidnapping everybody and they throw them into the van and that's a song that's playing in the background. It's like the perfect <laughs> soundtrack for the mayhem that's going on at that time. But uh, the builds in there, you know, how tight they sounded at the time. I just think it's it's just an incredible song. You're my boy, Blue. You're my boy. Now, did that make your list, Gomez? Actually, no, it did not make my list. Okay, so you're wrong. Um, <laughs> well, what else is new? I mean, <laughs> no, no, no. But I actually close my playlist with Master of Puppets. It is my track 10, one of the songs from the band that, yes, I've heard it every single time I've seen the band. And no, it just never gets old. The opening riff, as soon as they hit the bump, 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 the entire place erupting mm. is just a moment that I absolutely love to see when I see them live. It is the best of their quote unquote hit songs that they play at every show. And you know, the ones I'm talking about the hit songs mm -hmm. that you'll always hear at a Metallica concert are one master of puppets, enter Sandman and nothing else matters. Right. At every single Metallica show. I don't think they've skipped it except for maybe the Garage Inc. tour that I saw at the Roseland Ballroom back in 97 or 98. They only did cover songs. So that would have been the only time I ever saw them where they didn't play Master of Puppets. Mm, that's interesting. But it's one of those songs that I just am so happy every time they play it. So it's kind of the reverse of Seek and Destroy, where Seek and Destroy got kind of old to me. Master of Puppets never gets old. Mm. I mean, I do like it, but it didn't make my top 10. So, Gomez, then with that being said, what's your track two? My track two would actually be one from Injustice for All. Okay. First of all, great song. I love the beginning of this song. The guitar riff and then the drums coming in slowly, just bringing the song up. You know, fun fact on it, they actually won the 31st Grammy for Best Metal for that song, uh, which I think ended up being their first Grammy on that. You're right. In 1990, they won for the song one. And in 89 was the infamous Jethro Tull best metal performance of the Grammys that uh, I honestly, if you talk about like memorable moments in Metallica history, how can you not bring up them losing to Jethro Tull? <laughs> he plays a, a mean flute, that guy, though. I mean, I mean, look, Aqualung in some way, shape or form had to influence metal music. Mm -hmm. I don't deny that. But if you compare, I'm trying to think of the name of the album that Jethro Tull actually won for that year. It's not Aqualung. And even Aqualung is no Injustice for All. If you put those two albums side to side, I'm sorry, but Injustice for All is a better album than Aqualung. Even though Aqualung is an iconic album, Injustice for All is that much more iconic. I just never got Jethro Tull. You know, all respect to those guys and anyone that that you know follows them. Uh, they're just a band I just never got. I remember watching that because they 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 basically performed the song and then lost. And usually, <laughs> usually on the Grammys, when a band performs, you have a feeling they're going to win, but not that. I re I'll vividly remember them losing, and I was like, "What the hell, Jethro Tull?" <laughs> okay, I found out the name of Jethro Tull's album name. By the way, Crest of Nave. Crest of a Nave. That was it. They yeah. had one single off that that I remember. And uh, there's no way. No way. There's no way. out some good names in that category besides Metallica. Jane's Addiction. Uh, was there an alternative category at this point? Because uh, even Jane's Addiction doesn't belong no, in metal. No. I mean, Iggy Pop and, and as well as ACDC were in that category. So Jethro Tull beat all these guys out. That's a whole other topic for a whole other show. When you think about it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Look, I, I'll throw ACDC and hard rock, obviously, because it was at the time hard rock slash metal performance. Jane's addiction. I, that's I, like I said. I think Jay has a great point. That's a yeah. whole new topic. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll go on to my track two then, because I'm the one left. 
And sticking with my theme of amazing opening tracks, I went with Battery from Master of Puppets. Mm. And I sat here flipping battery and blackened back and forth from my one and two slots to open up my playlist because man you talk about album openers and battery is an assault of an album opening song i mean once it kicks in it just pummels you for the rest of the song i mean it's just it's relentless that's all i could say i mean there's It was very hard to choose between Blackened and Battery, but Battery is a just incredible, incredible opening track. See, I had them further down my list, but I I had that like towards the back. What, Battery? Yeah, yeah, only because, and this is just a personal preference of mine, um, you know, I I like it when you can put in an album and the last three tracks really kind of knock you back. I thought that would be one of them. All right, so where did you put that on yours? They're on seven. All right, we're on to track three. Who wants to start track three on this one now? Well, I guess in spirit of the round robin, that means it should be me at this point, but we can't keep that up because I'll get confused over who the hell's up. (laughs) All right, Brian, what is your track three on your greatest album of Metallica? I'm sticking with my track one theme. It doesn't go all the way through. I'll, I'll spoil it alert. I don't go all the way through, but my track three is the opening track to Death Magnetic. That was just your life. Hmm. Death Magnetic was the album that was going to make or break Metallica for the rest of eternity. If Death Magnetic became Saint Anger 2, Metallica was done. That might sound like a hot take, but there was a lot riding on this album, catapulting the band forward with a musical future and not just being a nostalgia act. They had a lot to prove. They brought on Rick Rubin, who basically did the rick rubin formula of hey here's one of your old albums let's re-record that and it works somehow somehow some way he's able to find magic with artists by just saying hey let's listen to your old stuff let's make it sound like that and to me death magnetic is a fantastic album all the way through for Metallica. I think it's criminally underrated in their catalog when you talk to most people. And that was just your life was a fantastic, typical opening song from Metallica and in a typical in a good way, because you expect an amazing opening track and every Metallica album besides Garage Inc., which is a compilation And I have to say it hardwired to self-destruct. I think hardwired as a song was the first album opener where I went, because I will even go on a limb. It didn't make my list, but if you were to pick one good song out of St. Anger, Frantic, the opening track has, you make a good case for a song that had it been recorded differently, might still be in Metallica's rotation. So Mm. We'll see. Track three, Gomez. All right. So on my track three, um, pretty much my list is all over the place. I will admit to this, but I like different sounds from Metallica. Number three from whom the bell tolls is my, my number three track. First of all, it's just one of the great, one of the greatest openers too. When you hear that, you just want to go crazy. Um, Best movie that I've seen it in is in Zombieland in the beginning of the movie. Ooh, yeah. So when you're seeing the guy, the uh, one guy being thrown out of the balcony in that movie and it starts, it's just, it's great. It's just perfect. Just the way they play the song. It just makes you want to go out and do something. Uh, Run or, you know, throw somebody off a balcony. But I wouldn't do that. That would be (laughs) totally wrong. Immorally wrong. Slay some zombies. (laughs) Yeah. If we get into the zombie apocalypse, then yeah, maybe I could see us doing that. Jay, I'm going to be pretty surprised if this isn't on your list. Uh, that is number nine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Again, that's that whole motif of, hey, finish strong. You know, the, the beginning of it, I've always, I don't know, just a do 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 do, you know? Do, um, do, do. It, it's just a great build. And, it, you know, going back to what Gomez was talking about before, you know, I'm a huge New Jersey Devils fan. That's another one that's featured at there's, you know, like when they come out for a power play sometimes. Boom. So, uh, anyway. Um, anyway. But no, it's just, you know, it's a great build song. It's a great, you know, like sports 
stadium anthem type song. You know, you could play it, it just virtually anywhere. It's just it's something that really it gets you out of your seat. The thing about for whom the bell tolls to me, people that listen to the Black Album and they say Metallica changed their sound, and people were all shocked. Mm-hmm. Really, I think you're hearing elements of the Black Album in for whom the bell tolls yeah I agree. that that. was not a typical thrashy song yeah and for me that's my track seven okay okay this is the first song that tonight we all agree on is for whom the bell tolls so we have a we have a match if you want to call it that or a trifecta we have a trifecta okay (laughs) but really the opening bass line that cliff burton is putting out in this song is as memorable as a guitar riff and this has been a song that since lightning came out has been a staple of Metallica set list. I've actually seen some nights where it's not included, but it is included much more than not. This is the thing. I wanted to make a point to Jay earlier when, when you were talking about Lars drumming mm. thing that really jumps out at me about his drumming is that he writes musical drums. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense when I say that? Yeah. Um. It, it, here's kind of how I looked at him is he's kind of like the real life animal from the Muppets. Yeah. You know, Um. he just he, he's all over the place. He he makes the drums into a more than just a percussive instrument. I think the other thing that he's always brought to it as well is, you know, how much he introduced syncopation into metal music. You know, I mean, it was always there, but, you know, this is the drummer driving it. So, you know, I think that was his biggest contribution right there and why he influenced so many people. You know, is his ability to really, you know, that that old joke, you know, what do you call a, a band? It's three musicians and a drummer, you know, um, <laughs> and he, uh, he I think he kind of put that one to bed, you know, but so much of the stuff he did, especially during the first couple albums. Well, I was going to say, if, if there's any musician that I think wrote musical drums and I use quote marks in the air, these are the drums that define the song is an example would be like a Joey Kramer for walk this way. It's like a defining drum beat. That is almost as musical as the notes of the song mm-hmm. rush and Neil Peart did that consistently. Yeah. And that's why so many people air drum at a rush show and Metallica for me is right up there with rush. When it comes to drums that you think about when Gomez mentioned one earlier, mm-hmm. when that double bass hit, can you think of a more memorable double bass moment in a song that drives the melody the way his double bass does at the opening of the heavy part of one. Oh no no it's funny too because you know i i look i've been playing for the better part of my life like we're talking you know 35 plus years now right and for the longest time i did not have a, a double kick right I, I just never got into it even though i love metal music i love the sound of it i just had no interest in playing it and then about three years ago, my wife got me a, a double kick for Christmas, the, the pedal, right? That's built for a single kick drum set. The very first song I made sure I could get down was one, just specifically yeah. because of that part, you know? Yeah. And ever since then, all of our acoustic shows that we play, you're sitting there with the double bass during uh, Margaritaville, man, really just uh, throws the song pattern off a little bit. Hey, you're welcome. <laughs> By the way, if everyone didn't pick up on that. Jay, the drummer, does play with Colburn and company, too. So Me and my double bass. Yes. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised, Brian, that you didn't mention uh, Tommy Lee from uh, Motley Crue. Honestly, he's good, but he was more flash than execution. Okay. He could play, but the thing about Tommy Lee was he brought the excess to drums. Well, that he did. And filmmaking. But when you think... <laughs> He certainly didn't bring it to hip hop. I will. <laughs> Everybody get up. No, it's okay. <laughs> no, that, that get naked by methods of mayhem. That was a mayhem. You guys hearing me? You guys hearing me? It's like, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, think about it. Like he does some fantastic stuff, but the thing that people remember about Tommy Lee is when his drum set is doing the 360. Well, it's apples and oranges too. I mean, think about it. Hey, can you imagine another beat to Dr. Feelgood? No, and no. it's fantastic. So right. I don't hate it, but I don't feel it's as musical as yeah. what Lars does for Metallica. Okay. I agree with that. All right. So now we're on Jay, your track three, because we're kind of, you know, when we're picking it up, the list gets filled in yeah. when we cross over. All right, so I might get some eye rolls on this one. There's a story behind it, though. Uh, my number three isn't even a Metallica song. It's a cover. 
Um, it was a bread fan. Ooh. Now the reason I, that one I think is so big is because I've seen them once and it was on the, the 1998, I think it was, I can't remember if it was load or reload at that time. I think, I think it was load. No, load was 96. Yeah. Yeah. So it was the reload tour. Yes. Yeah. And reload was 97. They went yeah. back to back years. I saw him at giant stadium, um, days of the new and Jerry Cantrell opened. And I think if I remember correctly, uh, hopefully I got this fact right, but I think it was literally Alice in Chains without Lane Staley. I think Alice in Chains was his backing band. I could be wrong in that one. But um, anyway, I remember Jerry Cantrell sounded great. But then Metallica came out and they opened with that song. And it was the, the, I've never seen an entire stadium just go up into a complete frenzy. You know, when they came up, they had, you know, let's call it, you know, 50, 60,000 people out there just losing their minds to that song. And they were so tight right from the beginning. I mean, it sounded like they had been playing you know, they'd been warming up for a good hour before they came out there. And it was just, it was like spot on perfect. So ever since that, every time I hear that song, I'm, I'm always going to crank it. It's a great one. That was part of the garage yep. days recordings. Yeah. And I want to say bread fan was on one of the singles for one. And I mean, I, I, I have nothing bad to say about that song. It's a great part of what makes garage Inc. so special. And I'll talk about, a Metallica cover later in my list. But one thing about Metallica covers, they had a way of picking cover songs that truly elevated the bands they were covering. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, here's another eye roller for you. Okay. So I, it was between this and another cover, right? So, and again, I, I love the original song. I love the cover as well, but I will go as far as say as Metallica did a better version of it which is Stone Cold Crazy. Ooh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, that was on that album as well. And that I tried to fit that in this list, and I just couldn't. But I'll go as far to say, like, I love the Queen version. Queen's a great band. But I absolutely love Metallica's version of it. Oh, it brings it to a whole new level. And and the original from Queen rocks. Oh, it's like my favorite I mean, Queen song, yeah. It, but Metallica just found a way to amplify something that was already amplified because i mean when you think of the most manic queen song that would be the first one to come to mind mm -hmm. i think to most people and metallica just took it levels above that mm -hmm. so gomez we're up to you i think now on this uh round robin here right track four all right track four for me welcome home sanitarium yes nice it's a great uh, song again just everything about the song is just amazing the funny thing is that I don't know if you guys knew, but it actually inspired the movie One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest with Jack Nicholson. It was inspired by the That's movie. Yeah. yeah. Inspired by the movie. Yeah. Yes. So I did not know that. And which I actually enjoyed that movie because Jack Nicholson was just awesome in that movie. And that's not the first time Metallica used a film as kind of the inspiration of a song because one was inspired by the film Johnny Got His Gun, which was an anti-war movie, as you can hear in the theme of the song. Mm -hmm. But turning back to Sanitarium, when you talk about it being a Metallica ballad, and I want to use that word really loosely because it's not a ballad per se. Right. And when you talk about a song like that or a one or a fade to black they did something with the guitars that really stuck the landing with the lighter songs. And if you think about a ballad in the terms of the quote marks and the fact that it's a slower song, Sanitarium is the perfect quote unquote slow song for Master of Puppets because it's still ridiculously heavy. Yes, it is. And it's just one of those songs that's, like you said, it's memorable. But also remember... um when Metallica, when MTV was still playing music and actually doing music videos, did that, uh, they did that special MTV icon. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Do you remember who actually covered that song? Limp Biscuit. Yep. Fred Durst singing that song. And I will say this. It wasn't that bad. It was okay. I didn't like it too much. I was not expecting that from a new metal group like Limp Biscuit, mm -hmm. So I was impressed with the song choice. I think they did a decent job. I would in no way, shape or form choose that version over Metallica's to listen to. Cause I don't feel like they brought anything to it. Whereas mm -hmm. Korn's version of one from that same show, which was great, was great. And it was 
reimagined just enough to give it the corn flavor. <laughs> yeah. Really? The corn that, flavor? <laughs> yeah, that was awful. But you get what I'm going with that. They, they made it their own just enough where you were okay with it. Right. And, and I, I, I have nothing bad to say about the song. Jay? Yeah, that's actually my number six. Okay. Yeah. No, that, that, it's a good track. Good groove. You know, and it, it fit well into that album, too, I think. I did not have it on my list, shockingly. I'm kind of surprised. I have a different slow song on my list, and we'll be getting to that soon. Aww, but now a slow song for Brian? It, well, in, in Metallica's universe. Relax, go, man. I'll ask you to dance. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jay, you're up to your number four now. Yeah. Uh, so you guys covered that one before. It was one. You know, and you know, for all the reasons I gave earlier on, that was, you know, once I like, finally accepted the, the the double kick, you know, and then decided I wanted to start playing it. That was uh that was mission one, you know, to be able to get that down. But uh just phenomenal song, phenomenal album. Mission one. Mission one. Oh I- <laughs> listen. <no. laughs> I'm gonna chuckle at that. I'm not gonna say anything. Oh, did you plan that? Or was that like, must make mission one joke? No, I just threw it in there. Just to see if anyone would bite. <laughs> oh, I'm about to go back to Tommy Lee again. <laughs> All right. So with your number four, Gomez's number four is done. So I guess that would leave me. And this is my last opening track. And I went all the way back to the beginning with hit the lights from kill them all. Nice. Okay. When you think about a one, two, three, four punch on the playlist, I tried to go really strong right up front and just punch you in the gut and black and battery. That was just your life. And then hit the lights. This is the world's introduction to Metallica on studio albums. This was the opening track of their first album. This is their opening statement as a band. And you talk about a, way to carve your own legacy hit the lights is it whoo something else that is something else did that make anyone else's list no not my list yeah not mine either not that i'm I'm not a fan of the song i certainly am but uh yeah it didn't make it man i'm alone on this one unreal okay well regardless at this point looks like here would be where we would flip the LP over or turn the cassette around with the CD. It would just keep playing and obviously on a playlist as well. So Gomez track five, you're up. My number five track would be the unforgiven. It's an incredible song. You know, I just, I can't put it into words because it's the way the song makes you feel. Um, I know people would say differently on that, but I actually enjoy it. I try not to think of the negative, you know, on it, but you got to think of positives. And, you know, everyone struggles with something. And I fear with that song, it's like you're struggling, but get up and do something better. And that's me. I mean, that's, you know, one thing uh, I've learned a lot. And one and it's just a, a, an overall great song. It, it actually hits me a little bit. I don't hate the song. I hate what follows the song in the Unforgiven 2 and the Unforgiven 3. Okay. Yeah. I never liked Unforgiven 2 or 3. They should have just left it at 1. The fact <laughs> that they named the song The Unforgiven 2 with the number 2, but the way the lyrics go, it's actually T-O-O, like Teen Wolf 2. Well, that was a horrible movie. Yes, and so <laughs> is The Unforgiven 2, which I always actually refer to as The Unforgiven T-O-O. Of Teen Wolf 2. Yes. it's it. Honestly, that's probably my least favorite favorite metallica songs are two and three like at the bottom of the barrel no agree I, to be honest with you, i never even listened to two or three uh when i was doing listening to the songs again uh the last couple of days i actually skipped over two and three pretty quickly it makes um, me wonder though i i don't I, I have no problem with you picking the unforgiven i actually if i were to pick one of the three unforgivens i would always listen to that one and only but the fact that they did a two and three makes me feel like they don't think they got it right the first time. And I know that's not what their intent was with it, but that's the vibe I get from that song right. because they kept making sequels to it that weren't necessary. But that's the thing. I mean, when you compare it to what you love and what I love, you know what I mean? Don't forget, you are the most musically inclined person I ever met besides Jay and some other people that we know, you know what I mean? But for me coming up, 
changing my tune from hip hop going to Metallica in the nineties and hearing that song, it was just, you know, unreal. Oh dude, I, I have not look when that album came out, I listened to the black album endlessly on yeah, repeat for probably a good year. And I love every song on it, but in the concept of this playlist, I felt like the black album songs just kept getting edged out. I had a hard time finding a place for black album songs, even though I wanted to include them. Cause as like I said earlier in the show, right. it is the benchmark for amazing drum sounds. And I mean, just sonically, it is a massive sounding album. It is. It is. And it was one of their biggest albums to, to boot. Oh my God. It actually, it's, it's, I think what, 12 times platinum. It's, it's 16. 16. 16. Okay. It almost triples ride the lightning almost. Oh, which is ridiculous in in and of the amount of albums that this sold. I mean, this is up there with back in black and the Eagles greatest hits and thriller for like most albums sold ever. And there's a reason. And it's, it's perfectly acceptable one at that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I, I know it probably did not make you or Jay's top 10. But it, it, it makes mine because it's it holds a little special thing on my heart on this song. Awesome. Well, I, I'll stick with the ballot thing, Jay. Did it, uh, unless Jay, you're going to surprise us. Did it make your your two slots that are left here? No, Unforgiven Four did though. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the one with Clint Eastwood? <laughs> Unforgiven. Go ahead, punk. Make my day. I, I do not have an Unforgiven any of the uh, the compilation uh, on my uh, on my list here. Okay. Well. Believe it or not, my track five, after all the opening tracks, I went with something off of Load, which I know a lot of people roll their eyes and groan about. But for every Metallica era, because I feel like there were eras of Metallica, I feel like everything up to Justice was an era. I feel like the Black Album was an era in and of itself. I feel like Load and Garage Inc. was an era. I feel like the album cycles since then, because they've been so few and far between of St. Anger, Death Magnetic, Beyond Magnetic, and Hardwired to Self-Destruct were all errors of the band. They all have different, slightly different feels. Mm-hmm. Load to me was a 50-50 shot. I love the Load album, and I kind of don't like Reload. I feel like they left too much filler on Reload And all the good songs went on load kind of the way I feel like guns and roses dropped the ball by bloating up. Use your illusion, which I think would have been a better album as a single album, but that's a conversation for another day. I feel like Metallica made the same mistake on load and reload, but the track I chose was bleeding me, Hmm. which the song kind of lives in this black Sabbath universe where the rest of the album kind of sits Mm-hmm. And it's got some amazing vocals from James. The lyrics really tell a just a great story. I was when I was listening to the album Load, I was in a kind of a I don't want to say darker time, but I was going through stuff and that song just resonated with me. Everything about it and in hindsight, I love the Black Sabbath era of Metallica on the Load album. I feel like Bleeding Me kind of encapsulates what they were going for. But people wanted to hear Metallica. And Bleeding Me was too far removed from Battery for people to accept it. And I think that's a shame because it really is a fantastic song. And I'm probably guessing that neither one of you have that one in their list either. No, definitely not. Nope. Okay. But if you guys have any thoughts on the tune. um, You know what? To be honest with you, no, I don't. Because I think you explained it pretty well on your side. Uh, on that tune, not so much. I mean, the, the funny thing is when you talk about load, you know, and I'll put reload in there as well. I thought they caught a lot of grief that they shouldn't have. I mean, look, it, they're hard rock albums, right? You know, they, they were hard rock albums put out by a metal band. And I find absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know, I definitely preferred, I thought load was the better album out of the two. But I thought both of them were, were decent albums. There was a couple tracks in there that, you know, even till this day, you know, like uh, Fuel comes on. You know, I'll still turn up the, the radio today. I think it's a great song. Um, I thought even the first track that they had off of Load, um, 
until it sleeps. They were just hard rock songs. That's the only problem that I think old school Metallica fans had was that it just wasn't a quote unquote Metallica album. Well, we're up to six and we already have Jay's with Sanitarium. Right. Mm-hmm. So Gomez, why don't you go with number your number six here? All right. My number six, I am going to go back to the Metallica Black Album. Uh, I actually had a hard time because a lot of those tunes I grew up listening to came from that Black Album. But my all-time favorite, and I'll say New York Yankees number 42 when he comes out in the ninth inning, <laughs> it's Enter Sandman. Come on, any of you guys who've been to the stadium, the old one or the new one, you hear that song and you see Rivera coming out. It's like the best thing ever. I mean, you can't go wrong with that song. Yeah, I I can't argue with that at all from a perspective of a Yankees fan. From a perspective of a Metallica fan, (laughs) maybe a little different. But (laughs) But as a Metallica fan, as a music music stream lover, I think it's an incredible tune at that time. You know, before I, I got into, you know, Injustice for All, Kill Em All, Ride the Lightning, and Master of Puppets. That was before I even got introduced to those albums. And so did millions of people with the Black Album. Enter Sandman introduced Metallica to millions of people who would have never listened to them otherwise. Yeah. Oh, no, definitely not. I would never have. Metallica's Enter Sandman. I mean, when you talk about the opening drums in that, Jay, I'm sure you'd agree. That, that opening, it's probably every kid who sits down on the drums for the first time is probably going to start pounding out the opening to enter Sandman. Well, I think that's a, I remember uh, hearing something a couple of years back where apparently that is now the, uh, the, the one song that's most overplayed in music shops when uh, somebody straps on a guitar, like it used to be stairway to heaven and you get that joke from Wayne's world. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, apparently it's been replaced by, uh, by enter Sandman <laughs> over the years. <laughs> really? That's yeah. awesome. That yeah. is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I have nothing bad to say about the song, especially as a Yankees fan, but it did not make my list. And I'm going to use the same argument I used for Seek and Destroy every Metallica show ever. I, I, okay, I understand it has to be played at this point, but yeah. Yeah. It's a must. It's a must be played. <laughs> I'm literally getting covered by, by everyone else here. Uh, Sandman was my number eight. Because that's the last, in my opinion, you know, that you got the last three tracks by this point. So it's building it back up. And the, uh, you know, that drum part at the beginning, uh, you know, Metallica, you know, long been known for their long intros and their you know, very well constructed intros. But that that one is uh, kind of tops for me. I'm not a Yankee fan by any point. So, um, you know, th- that had no bearing on my, <laughs> my decision. <laughs> Sorry, you're not a Boston Red Sox fan, so I forgot what you were. Dude, I'm embarrassed. I'm an Orioles fan. It's. it's I was about to say we don't have to worry about that rivalry. Yeah, yeah this is. <laughs> I I can't even speak. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're a Baltimore Ravens fan. You shouldn't even speak either. Well, I, I know, but you know, you know what it was like when the Giants got into the playoffs this year, right? Yeah, we missed it by oh, one. Okay, good. Game. Just making sure. Okay, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Next, Gomez. I got a side with Jay on this one, <laughs> and you know I'm a card carrying hardcore Giants fan. I know, but. Anytime I want to talk shit about the Baltimore Ravens, all Jay has to do is say 2000 and I kind of shut my mouth (laughs) kind of the way anybody in my extended New England family has to do whenever they bring up all their Super Bowls. I just go Eli Manning and all shut up. (laughs) (laughs) So I got I got to give Jay the point on that one. I I can't argue that I. I just can't. (laughs) Okay, not a problem. I get it. I get it. My number six is going back to Ride the Lightning, and I went with Creeping Death. Mm. You talk Mm. about a pummeling song. I cannot begin to tell you how much I love this song, and I was introduced to this song sophomore year in high school in religion class (laughs) by our teacher. That's great. Mr. Mayo, rest in peace. I'm Such sorry, a I don't mean to laugh. <laughs> no. Mr. Mayo brought the cassette in of Creeping Death, played the song, and then did the Bible verses around the song and explained how the music, how the band was inspired to write the lyrics based on the story. And it blew my friggin' mind in high school. Brian, I don't think people know about the backlog of your high school story. Just so we know, Brian and I went to the same high school, different years, yes. but we went to the same high school. We went to a small Catholic school. Let's get this right. 
not a public school, a small Catholic school. And the religion teacher was a Metallica fan. Go figure. Oh, she's awesome. Oh, she was. Don't get me wrong. Mrs. DeMail was the best. I literally cried when I got the news that she passed because we got a chance to go visit with her uh, with my daughter. And it was so wonderful because my daughter got a chance to sit with her. And I told her the story about Creeping Death and how much I remembered it. And uh, now we're talking about it here. But, yeah, that song is always going to be on my on my greatest hits for Metallica by Can't far. Can't go wrong with that. Did it make either of yours? No, it did not. Yeah, me neither. Really? I actually thought you would have had that up against uh, Battery in your list. I, I would have called that a uh, honorable mention. You know, okay. definitely. It was close. But, uh, yeah, I liked it to keep it up. All right. Well, now we're at number seven. And from what I'm seeing, Jay went with battery and I went with for whom the bell tolls. Mm-hmm. So Gomez, we're right back to you with your number seven. So my number seven, we talked about reload before. I actually changed it up a little bit earlier today. I actually had my number seven as nothing else matters, but I changed it up before. And I felt like fuel um, from reloaded was the best song on that whole album. It makes you really just want to go out and either run or play harder at a football game. That's the way I looked at it. I figured you would have immediately tied it into the Fast and the Furious, because to me, that's no. a driving song. But that's the problem. Fast and Furious and Metallica do not mesh, because at that time in that era when Fast and Furious came out, and it wasn't into the Metallica version. They went with the hip-hop versions. So is Fuel a great driving song, and you want to go fast? I fully agree. Did it make Fast and Furious soundtrack? No, because it was a different. No, definite I, I was era. just talking about how big of a fan you are oh, of yeah. those racing movies. I, 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 I am not shocked that Fuel is in your list. You know, yes. Do I like to go fast when I drive? Yes, I will admit that. Do I love hearing that song when I'm going 75 miles per hour on the highway? Yes, because I blast it up and blow the speakers out of my car. It's just one of those energetic, pump you up, let's go fast songs. That's me. I will 100% agree that it's one of the highlights of Reload besides The Memory Remains, which I love. Marianne Faithful's vocal lines in that are so haunting and so eerie and so creepy, and it works so well. I feel like after those two songs, the album kind of begins its downward descent. But Fuel's a great opening song. I mean, again, it continues the... I, I would put it down towards the lesser opening tracks of an album just based on what it's up against but it's not a bad opening song at all i would go as far as to say it's better than the opening track on load ain't my bitch but it's not better than enter sandman or any of the others that we've talked about so far tonight so gomez you're number eight now right all right my number eight uh nothing else matters it just, I don't know, mesmerized me. Um, I actually went on YouTube the other day and just to look at the music video because I vaguely remembered it. And it was just seeing the guys in the recording studio playing this song or either drinking or having a good time. You know what I mean? It's just one of those songs like, who cares? Having fun, enjoy it. Nothing really else matters. You know what I mean? If there ever was a Metallica ballad, quote unquote, a full on ballad, Nothing Else Matters would be the first one that everybody would mention, even though there's the heavy guitar solo. Right. One version that I want to point out of the song is the elevator version, which is a B-side on one of the European import singles. They actually strip Lars's drums completely out of the song. Oh, and way before S&M, they brought an orchestra in, and it was just the instruments in the orchestra using the vocals from the original recording. It's a fantastic orchestral studio version of the song that believe it or not is still heavy without the drums. I don't know how they managed to make that work, but it really, it really is. And the video you were talking about, that was from a year and a half in the life of Metallica. That was kind of like the promo video, if you want to call it for kind of the shenanigans going on in the studio and stuff. I don't think they really knew how to visualize that song. Because you look at the video for The Unforgiven, which was really mm-hmm. creepy and twisted. Yeah, and then you creepy, look at the video yeah. for Enter Sandman. Nothing Else Matters was like their Bon Jovi 
hairband power ballad video. Oh my God, you didn't. If they ever had one, bon Jovi. Yes. Oh God. Yes. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to disagree with you on that point, but it's kind of funny you just said Bon Jovi. Jay, did you close your list with nothing else matters? No, that was another tough one that I, I wanted to make the cut for. But uh, that my 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 closer, I think, is the it's a proper closer. <laughs> okay, it's not that one though. Well, I, I will say that Colburn and Company covers nothing else matters, and it's just a song that everybody knows. It's iconic. I have nothing bad to say about the song, but just in choosing my ten, it kept getting pushed, pushed, pushed. And my lone black album song is my number eight. And the reason I chose it was because it's the song that in this recent listen leading up to this episode, I said, wow, this song still pummels you. And unfortunately is so underrepresented. You don't hear it as much as you probably should in a Metallica show, even though they named a live album off of it through the never. Mm. Oh, that's a good track about that one. Yeah. It's the thrashiest riff on the black album. It's the closest thing to a thrashier song that the black album has. And the drums are pummeling. It's got that black album heft to it, but it's the fastest, most energetic song on the black album. And in listening to the black album leading up to this, to this picking these songs, you you hear Enter Sandman, as soon as you hear the riffs, you don't need to listen to the rest of the song. Same thing with Nothing Else Matters. But then Through the Never comes on, and it's like, ooh, I forgot just how amazing this track is. And it's probably one of the most underrated songs on the Black Album. So I, in this instance of making this playlist, that's my number eight. All right, that's an right. interesting number eight. I like that. And it looks like Jay now did For Whom the Bell Tolls for nine. Right. So... Gomez, you want to go with your nine? My number nine is kind of interesting, actually. It is from the Garage Inc. album. I actually picked Whiskey in the Jar. Ooh, that's interesting. Well, just because I do like drinking Jack Daniels whiskey a lot. But, you know, that's okay. Besides the point. I don't know. It's just a great tune. Uh, There is a story back to, you know, there is a story to this song. Um, I did not know it was a traditional Irish song from back in the day. It was just a funny cool hip tune i guess you know what i mean i guess they're rock version because i wouldn't call it metal yeah the dubliners original version was your traditional irish that you were talking about thin lizzy brought the rock to the song when they did it and that was the one that more rock fans are familiar with and probably the version that metallica was paying homage to on garage inc but metallica again brought it up to the next level i don't i don't hate the song but Garage Inc., the first disc, had such a challenge because of all of the amazing cover songs on disc two of that album. And my number nine came from disc two of Garage Inc., but was originally featured on the Garage Days re-revisited EP, and it's Last Caress, okay, the Misfits cover was a live staple for many years. And I'm going to give a hot take. I think Metallica made the Misfits a more iconic band because of their cover. I understand the Misfits are iconic. I take nothing away from the Misfits. I love their music. I love Danzig. There was no shock to the fact that Metallica looked up to Danzig and Danzig looked up to Metallica in both directions. And I think Metallica's version of last caress made misfits fans out of a lot of people. And I'm one of them Okay, because I did not know the song when I first heard garage days re-revisited. It made me look it up and it made me a misfits fan. I like the misfits before that. Um, and even that song, you know, I mean, that, that was like one of my, actually that was probably the, the top song of theirs that I did like, you know um, I mean, I was never a hardcore fan of theirs, but, um, you know, definitely, I don't know, it just kind of stuck out. You know, but I, I thought it was a great cover that they, they did of it. All right. So All right. we are up to track 10. Number 10. The Closer. Who's up first? Well, mine is already taken because, you know, I closed with Master of Puppets. Okay. So it's up to y'all now. Jay, you can go first on this one. All right. How kind of you, Gomez. Yeah, thank you. 
All right, uh, fade to black. Oh, that—that's the perfect way. I—I I think they should end shows with that. You know, it's just a mostly because of the ending of that song. <laughs> you know, um, it, it's just—it's a, a great build, um, a great song. You know, um, the the guitar parts are amazing, and I just love the you know like the the last third of that song. You know, I I always envision that's a way, if not only to end a CD, but to end a concert and to, to end a tour. You know, it's just it's just a phenomenal song, and it's something nice to walk away from after hearing. I think I, you know you, you feel like you get your money's worth after hearing a bunch of Metallica songs ending with that one. I have to tip my hat to you, Jay. That is a great, great, great closer. Thank you, man. That just destroyed my closer. Man, I I, I will give I credit where credit is due. That because I always think of the heavy song to end the show, but but your your point, and I, I'm picturing the closing of the show with that ending, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's a, that's that's a great, 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 great one. You blew my mind on that one, Jay. Thank you. That I don't even want to say what my number ten was. That's how good yours was. <laughs> we got to hear it now. All right, we'll see you next time, folks. <laughs> no, right. All right, so I actually had a hard time with number ten. I did go with one of the later albums. Um, I was in between. Actually, you guys are going to laugh at me. Between uh, the St. Anger, Anger album or Death Magnetic album. I actually had a hard time because uh, St. Anger was probably not one of my favorite most album. But I did like the songs Hanging Anger for some reason because I think the video, the music video was kind of cool. They were in St. Quentin. Yep. And yeah. they said, and, they, and I'll never forget that in the beginning. Um we don't care if you get taken hostage. We're not released. You know, we're, you're stuck in here if you get your hostages and they all had to agree to it. You know what I mean? Um, I thought that was a great opening, but also in the other album, the day that never comes uh, was a great song. And actually, actually the song I ended with number 10. Okay. Uh, the day that never comes was actually, it was, it was in between those two songs, but as I kept listening to both songs over and over again, uh, the day that never comes was probably my favorite because of uh, different qualities of the music. Matter of fact, Brian, I think you're the one who introduced me to that song when it first came out, actually, on the album. And it's just one of those songs I could listen in the car and just sit there and just actually sing along with it. It was just one of those great songs. You know, it wasn't their best, but it's just an overall good song. You know, it's interesting that you say how bad your version is compared to Jay's, mm-hmm. but if you listen to the guitar, at the beginning of the day that never comes, mm-hmm. I hear elements of fade to black in the in the guitar picking that that they're playing in that song. Actually, you want to laugh in the Wikipedia, which I took some of my notes. It said it almost ended the song. It it almost ends for a couple of their songs, like one Welcome Home and Fade to Black. So it's like a continuation between all of those three songs to go with it. Interesting that that you guys went with, I guess, uh, slower songs to close the set. I I, I think that's. Pretty cool approach. I'm, I'm, I'm. You're impressed by both of them, especially the newbie like me. <laughs> yeah, no. The thing I'll say about the day that never comes, if you pick up S and M two, the their latest release that just came out back in November, there's mm-hmm. a fantastic version with the symphony that re- I got the Blu-ray and I watched it with the kids, and that one really elevates. And I, I have to say, it holds up just as well as the other songs in their set list now like death magnetic I, I said it earlier and i'll say it again is truly an underrated album from the band some really really fantastic stuff came out of those sessions yeah and i actually like i said i enjoyed the uh, the song a lot i did enjoy the album which i was kind of surprised that saint anger had two-time platinum which i didn't think that was their best stuff and i know that was the time where um uh, what's his name was going in and out of rehab at that time i believe during this during that album i feel i feel yeah, i feel thank you um, I know he was doing that during that time. He was going through his rehab stint and all that stuff. Well, they got a whole two hour movie that documents why it's not. I mean, that was just yeah, yeah. a tough watch, man. That it was, was hard tough. to watch. It was tough and it was hard as being a Metallica fan, hearing the problems that the band had. No family's perfect, man. Nope. No one is. So why don't we, because at this point we've mentioned and talked about a ton of songs. So why don't we make our case and go through our final playlists one more time to kind of let each each person figure out what's going on. Okay. Uh, Jay, you can go first. <laughs> All right, my top 10. We had Whiplash, Master of Puppets, Bread Fan, One, Seek and Destroy, Sanitarium, Battery, Enter Sandman, For Whom the Bell Tolls, and Fade to Black. I had Blackened, Battery, That Was Just Your Life, Hit the Lights, Bleeding Me, Creeping Death, 
for whom the bell tolls through the never last caress and master of puppets. And I had seek and destroy one from whom the bell tolls. Uh, Welcome home sanitarium, the unforgiven enter Sandman fuel. And then back to nothing else matters and whiskey in a jar and the day that never comes. You hit the Gomez. I like his. Oh, I thank you. These are all good playlists. And the thing was, if you handed me this playlist, I would enjoy all three of them. Mm -hmm. But now the fun part begins and our work is done because we have pled our cases for our playlists. And now our fantastic listeners get to choose which one they think is the best. Choose me because I'm just good. (laughs) Curious to hear what comes back here. All right. Well, guys, I want to say thank you, uh, Brian, for co-hosting with me on this new adventure. Jay, thank you for being a special guest tonight. Thank you for listening, guys, and we will definitely see you soon. You can find Playlist Wars on Facebook and Twitter at Playlist Wars, on Instagram at Playlist Wars Podcast, on email at playlistwars at gmail.com, or via voicemail at 201-644-6498. That's 201-644-6498. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a five-star review and be sure to tell a friend or multiple friends about the show. Until next time, thanks for listening.